the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Welcome in the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Today, I'm going to be speaking with California Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. Steve Poisner. Um, he's running for governor. And I need your questions to ask him for you. How do you do that? You can jump on talk910.com, talk910.com. There's a live blog there. You can do it that way. Or you can drive me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. Or you can pick up the phone number, 800-345-5639 and give me a call. It's 800 345 Five six three nine. It's a wonderful time of the year. I know you're saying Christmas. Uh uh-uh. uh. Earning season. Earning season happens four times a year, and I love it. It's what drives me. I see the world through financial lenses, and during earning season, companies come clean and they tell us the truth. Today, the stock market is rocking and rolling because earnings have been good. Last week, it was Intel's report. Ultimately, Intel reported a great quarter. Stock market went up one point five percent for the week on that. Today, we're going to get Apple. We're going to get Texas Instruments, Caterpillar. These are some big numbers, not Caterpillars tomorrow, but these are some big earnings reports coming out. You know, Apple tells us demand for consumer products. Texas Instruments tells us demand for cell phones. Caterpillar tells us demand for construction. Caterpillar makes big cats, and these big cats push dirt around, and they build buildings, they build roads. Gives us a play on foreign currency, what's working, what's not working. So 13 Dow components and 135 members of the S&P 500 are, were slated to report earnings this week. I think it's going to be the biggest stories. Now, again, I see the world through funny financial eyeballs. Everything. Like when you go into Home Depot and they're starting to sell Martha Stewart goods at Home Depot, why is that? It's because women make 70% of the financial decisions. And they're going to Home Depot now. It's interesting. You know what? I don't know. To satisfy the fairer sex, I might, you know, pick up something from Martha Stewart. Maybe my eyes aren't very good at figuring out eye color patterns or something along those lines. Great episode of Mad Men last night. Great episode when uh starts out with Don Draper. He's having an affair on his wife, and it's with a little school teacher. And she said, a little boy at school today asked, how do I know that you see the same color blue that I see? What are you looking at that sees blue? And that's a great question. Perception versus reality it colors everything. That's what I love about earnings season. It's all about show me the numbers. Show me the money. It's all about the earnings bottom line. You know, actually, this was interesting. I was sleepy last night at 9 o'clock. Then I watched Mad Men, and I couldn't sleep until 2, 3 in the morning. That's how much I like that show. You know what show I hate? I'm sure you're with me on this. Jay Leno. can't stand the Jay Leno show. It bugs me. Anyway... His new time slot is turning out to be a nightmare for local television. 
local NBC affiliates are finding that no one's watching the Jay Leno show. And there used to be what's called a lead-in to their news department. Hey, everyone creamed the dream. Our first intern's back. wonder if he's got a paying gig yet. Neither here nor there. Jay Leno's new time slot. Baltimore. Um, Baltimore's 11 o'clock news is starting to hurt so bad that the program director's moaning and groaning about it. You might remember last year when we learned that Jay Leno was going to come to 10 o'clock. And in order to save money, basically $3 million a night to develop a drama. $2 million a night to develop Jay Leno. So NBC said, well, we could save $5 million a week. Only problem is the affiliates did much better with the dramas than with the Leno. The Leno effect is what it's being called. NBC's controversial decision to shift him back to the 10 o'clock is being billed as a savvy business model for NBC, but it's killing the local news. They're losing their lead-in. Leno, his new show averaged about 5.6 million viewers through the first four days of last week. Less than half the audience attracted when it premiered. So his numbers are down huge. The question is, is dramas typically only run 22 to 24 new episodes a year. And Leno is going to be on 22 weeks of the year. That's what I should have said. Leno is going to be on 40 plus weeks a year. When we hit reruns, will Leno draw in more people and will that be the lead that the local NBC affiliates need to get their 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news chugging along? It's a good question. See, I see the whole world through financial eyeballs. Now, there's some more obvious ones. And again, NBC division of General Electric. So year over year, people are watching less television while it's on. That's a trend that's been going on for 10 plus years now. We're leaving television uh, shows when they want us to watch. We're finding other ways of watching it. So not only is the NBC Leno thing dramatic, but the overall trends have been hurting too. Now here's one that's a little bit more obvious as far as financial stories go. Healthcare bill. Seeking to maintain momentum for the measure. Criticism came through big time this weekend again. Both from Republicans and Democrats. The White House now, they're out there and they're saying the insurance companies and the Republican allies, you know, they're, they're basically doing... Smear campaigns. Now, White House officials reiterated comments by President Barack Obama hinting at the possibility of limiting or revoking health insurers' antitrust exemption if they were to continue to fight the legislation. He plays dirty. He's one of those people that's willing to call a spade a spade, so to speak. And what is a spade? Is that a gardening tool? 800-345-5639. So White House officials have held out the possibility of further compromise with labor unions, which are upset about a proposed tax on high-cost health insurance plans. See, one of the ways that we're going to pay for this almost trillion-dollar health care reform is to tax businesses that have a lot of employees on health care plans. Kind of a, a penalty for being too big with too many employees. Now, unions who are typically Democrat, they're not too happy about this because why? They're businesses that have lots of health care employees. And union leaders have given up pay increases for better health care packages in the past. And in hindsight, maybe they shouldn't have done that. So union leaders worry that a lot of their members' plans could get hit by such attacks. There's a fundamental belief on the Hill that we can't fail now. So this whole health care reform, this is huge. And remember, uh, President Clinton tried to do it in his first year. Well, actually, Mrs. Clinton tried to do it in his first year. And once it got killed, it never came up again. White House saying we're going to solve it. There's going to be compromise. There will be legislation, and we will achieve our goals. 
Got about a month left, month left in the life of the health care reform. We've got to get some more data on it before it becomes a reality. Now, the other big financial story of today, Leno is failing. Healthcare is struggling to stay relevant. And Apple, Apple's going to report numbers tonight. High expectations. So today at about 1.15, you know where I'll be. I'll be listening to a conference call. Conference call accompanies the earnings report. And typically Steve Jobs will come out, well, the company will come out with a press release. Everyone will see the press release. Apple reported X. Apple sold 10 billion iPods. Apple turned straw into gold. And then they'll open up the conference call. They'll congratulate each other. Analysts will come in and say congratulations. And the analysts will start asking questions like, 10.4 million iPods. We had a number of 10.1 million. We're a little disappointed that you didn't blow out those numbers. 7 million iPhones, 2.7 million Macs. Now, some analysts have 11 million iPods versus 10.4. Some analysts have 6.8 million iPhones versus 7 million. Some analysts have 2.8 million Macs versus 2.7 million Macs. So the upside potential, it's not great. But there's a lot of expectations built into it. And that's how the stock can move. If they blow out numbers, stock can move. If they say, we blew out numbers, but the next six months, we're, it's going to be awful, Stock can trade down. The stock has roared, roared this year. Ever since Steve Jobs got sick, it's been on fire. Ever since Steve Jobs came back from his sickness, it's been on fire. It's been a very, very good year to be a stock called Apple. A lot of expectations. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show coming up. I'm going to be speaking with California Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. He's running for governor of the great state of California. If you have questions for me, you can log on to the blog, talk910.com, talk910.com, hit blog, throw me a question there, I'll throw it his way. If you want to email me, rob at robblack.com, throw me a question, I'll throw it at him. 800-345-5639, a.m., more stimulating talk. show i'm rob black typically i'm talking all things financial but there's no doubt about it that politics blends with the economy no doubt about it that politics blends with wall street politics can do wonderful things and politics can do horrible things with budgets and economies i want to open up steve poisner he's going to join me in just a second to you the listener if you want to call in with a question 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 so he's not only going to be my governor, he would also be your governor. So if you have questions on what you want thrown out there and what's important to you, bring it on. Steve Poisner was elected California Insurance Commissioner back in 2006. Let's just pretend that's all we know about him. Steve, welcome into the show. Thanks, Rob. Good morning. Good morning. Now, give us a little bit of background on you. I know that you're a businessman. I know you're an entrepreneur. But why would that transition you into governor? Well, um, I came to California 30 years ago to go to Stanford Business School, got my MBA from Stanford in 1980, and then I spent the next uh, 20 years of my life uh, starting and running high-tech companies in Silicon Valley. Uh, my last one, just to give you a flavor of my, my focus on my previous uh, job-creating work, was that the company was called SnapTrack, where we figured out a way to put a global positioning satellite receiver chip into a cell phone so that when you dial 911 from the cell phone, the emergency operators will know where you're calling from. Uh, that turned out to be an enormously important feature. Over 700 million cell phones 
have this feature around the world. Uh, we, we've saved literally uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of lives with this emergency location technology and really proud of it. I sold the company to Qualcomm down in San Diego a few years ago. At that point, I had to make a decision. Uh, I could see that California was being driven off of a cliff, that California was the best place on the planet to start and grow companies, but not anymore. That that leadership in Sacramento over the last few decades uh, completely making the wrong decisions about creating a hostile environment for job creation and for entrepreneurship. So I retired. I decided to leave the private sector behind, and I was going to do whatever it took you know, to get California back on track. So I've been doing a few things here over the last several years uh, to, to really help address some of the key problems facing the state of California. Uh, first thing I did was to go uh, be a teacher you know, in, in the public schools. Now, I do think fixing our broken public school systems is essential to getting our economy back on track. Of course, we need to train people with the right skills uh, so that we can be competitive in the global economy. Uh, we went from the best public education system in the country in the 1960s. Uh, now we have one of the worst in the country, and it needs to get completely overhauled. So I spent a year teaching so I could you know, dive in, surround myself, immerse myself in the issues with other teachers and educators, I taught at Mount Pleasant High School in East San Jose, uh, part of the East Side Union High School District. Uh, gang members and all, it was the hardest thing I have ever done uh, and the, the most rewarding as well. I really enjoyed it, but I, I saw the conditions firsthand in the public schools, and we can talk about that some more if you'd like, but, but there's clear fundamental structural changes needed there. And then a few years ago, I ran for insurance commissioner as I began to dig into these economic issues you know, facing the state of California. I'm one of only eight elected statewide officials in California as insurance commissioner. I don't uh, report to anyone but the voters now uh, every four years. Uh, my team and I at the Department of Insurance, we oversee everything insurance in California. It's a huge market, about $160 billion industry everything from earthquake insurance to life insurance, about 10% of the entire California economy. Uh, I love my job because when I make a decision at the Department of Insurance, it impacts everybody, every business, every consumer, every family. And we've made huge progress at the department over the last few years in fighting insurance fraud, driving down insurance rates, holding insurance companies accountable. Now I'm running for governor because clearly the governor is the one person who can really address the meltdown and meltdown is the right word. This is probably the worst economic collapse uh, in, in the state's 150-year history. I mean, 12.2% official unemployment. Unofficially, the unemployment rate is probably closer to 20%. A lot of people just given up. This 12.2% official unemployment rate is the highest unemployment uh, since the Great Depression for California. We lost 750,000 jobs just in the last year alone. Our unemployment rate's two and a half points higher than the national average. So I'm running to, uh, as for governor to overhaul our tax and our regulatory system so that we can bring jobs back here. Steve, I have to throw this out there. Last week I talked to the mayor of San Jose, Chuck Reed. Yes. And I said, Chuck, any chance you'll run for governor? Because I like what he does. He seems to be pro-business, 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 and pro-business. And everything else kind of falls by the wayside on some levels. And he said, California is ungovernable. I don't want the job. It can't be done. And I think the average person, Steve, really feels that it's ungovernable, that there's too much gridlock. There's too many um, issues with term limits. There's too many people you know, fighting for their, their agenda, and it's ungovernable. Like, we thought Schwarzenegger was going to be 
a non-career politician, that he was going to get in there and, you know, actually have nothing to lose. Do you think the state of California is governable? Well, there's also been articles written by by newspaper columnists who said, if you're thinking of running for governor, you should go have your head checked. Pretty much saying the same thing as Mayor Reed, you know, the state's a lost cause. I just don't believe that. I know the state's in dire straits. I know that we're in a meltdown situation. I also know that fixing these problems will be extremely difficult. And there isn't any one single person who can just parachute into Sacramento. There's no several bullets. I mean, it's going to be very difficult. But we absolutely positively have to try. And the reason why I'm optimistic is because sometimes it takes a huge crisis, a huge meltdown for voters to finally focus on what the problems are and then play a significant role in fixing the problems. There's, there's nothing getting in our way here. There's, there's no reason why we can't fix the problems that we have here. Like in Louisiana, Mississippi, those states have huge challenges because they have to divert huge percentages of their budget to fight hurricanes. I mean, there are certain natural disasters that really hold them back. California is political disaster. It's leadership failures. And so as I run for governor, I'm going to outline my views and my background, my track record, uh, my, my passion for California, and I'm going to be pretty specific about the solutions that we need to implement in order to get California back on track. And then, then voters have choices to make, and that's what's so great about an election in the middle of a crisis. Voters are paying attention, and when I'm elected, they're going to send me to Sacramento with marching orders, and that's perfect. And then I will then utilize the power of the governor's office, which is huge on paper, the line item veto, the statute veto powers, the appointments powers. I'm going to use all of that to do what it takes to fix this mess that we're in. I mean, we have to. Uh, we're going to get steamrolled in this 21st century global economy uh, if we don't make these major changes. And now voters know things are broken and they're ready for change. Let's talk about Frank. He sends in an email and he has a question for you, Steve. And I'm speaking with Steve Poisoner, who's running for governor of the mighty state of California. It's a pleasure to speak with him. Um, Frank asked the question, as, ask your guest, Frank. What would you do about the illegal immigration problem? Because that does probably tie into our budget crisis. It probably yes. does tie into our education system. It probably does tie into our real estate market and our jobs market and the unemployment rate. Well, it sure does. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about the, the problem with illegal immigration. But we have to talk about it. Now, one thing I didn't mention in my, my brief summary of my experiences uh, since I retired from, from Silicon Valley is that I did go spend a year working in the White House. Uh, in the National Security Council, in their counterterrorism group. And I got there, believe it or not, September 4th, 2001, one week before the 9-11 crisis. So I was there before, during, and after it, and I had a security clearance well above top secret. Uh, I can't even talk about most of the things I worked on, but I can say this. I worked with a whole bunch of people to put together a new homeland security plan for this country. And that's where my views about illegal immigration really became uh, quite specific and cemented. Uh, fact is, we have to control our borders. This recent al-Qaeda cell that the national security folks just broke up here in the United States, many people believe that these folks came in through our southern border. We have to secure our borders, not only for national security reasons, but for economic reasons, too. You mentioned the schools. When I was teaching, we didn't even know how many kids would show up the first day. Uh, illegal immigration is overwhelming our health care system, our education system. We're now bankrupt. We just can't afford this. So as governor, I will do what it takes to secure the border. I will send the National Guard to the border if I have to. I'll even utilize the California Highway Patrol if I have to. We have to have secure borders. Now, with that said, 
I must uh, I must tell you, uh, you, Rob, and all of your listeners, I'm a passionate supporter of legal immigration. People come in here legally, that's a good thing. Uh, my companies in Silicon Valley, we recruited people from all over the world. The agricultural sector in California needs access to great people who want to help with uh, with our, our farming community. But they need to come here legally. We need to make that legal immigration pipe as big as possible. Uh, but at the same time, our borders need to be you know, very secure. Steve, I'm going to keep you for one more segment. I'm speaking with Steve Poisoner, California Insurance Commissioner. He's going to be running for the governor of the state of California. Ask him a little bit more coming up on spending. Everyone wants spending cuts. Ask him about taxes. No one wants more taxes. We'll ask a little bit more on maybe Prop 13 if he's got any angles there. I'm for the commercial reform of Prop 13, but not the residential reform. We'll see where he's at. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Black Show. I'm Rob Black. I'm talking with Steve Poisner, running for governor, current insurance commissioner of the state of California. I'm excited. I'm open-minded. I like the idea of a businessman actually running things versus a career politician. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. When I said that, Steve, do you agree with that statement now, businessman versus career politician, or are you going to well, stick around? Not exactly. Uh, I really don't think of myself as this big company executive type. Uh, I'm really an entrepreneur. Okay. I'm really an engineer. I build things. I fix things. And so I've been able to apply my entrepreneurial problem-solving skills in both the private sector, where I started and ran companies successfully for 20 years, but I've also applied these same skills to the public sector uh, in the classroom, in helping to grow the charter school movement, in, in the White House during the 9-11 crisis, now as insurance commissioner, where I've completely overhauled this very large department of insurance. And so that's actually an important distinction. I'm really the only one running that has this 20 years of experience uh, in the private sector starting companies from scratch, together now with eight years of experience in success in politics and public sector service. Because the fact is, uh, being in government, running government, it's not like running a business. It requires a different skill set. There's a lot of business skills that are helpful, but, but the leadership skills that are most successful in public sector service you know, are, are a different coalition-building skill set that a lot of business people simply don't make that transition very well. Someone wants off the live blog, Steve uh, Larkin, he wants me to ask you about the Taxpayer Protection Pledge that you signed on the John and Ken show. Right. What's the Taxpayer Pledge? Well, um, I just adamantly oppose raising taxes in the state of California. Now, I've gotten even more and more passionate about this over the last several years as I've gotten closer and closer and closer to the power center in Sacramento. Just this year, just in 2009, the legislature and the governor have passed massive tax increases. The one in February, $25 billion tax increase. Now, that was the largest tax increase in the history of tax increases. Sales taxes went up. Uh, income taxes went up, the vehicle license fees went up. Now, to do that in the middle of a deep recession, 
when people are struggling to make ends meet, when people are really working hard to make their mortgage payments, they're worried about their jobs leaving. That was the worst piece of public policy coming out of Sacramento in 50 years. So in my campaign, I've made it crystal clear. As governor, I will absolutely not raise taxes, and I signed a pledge uh, to make sure voters know exactly where I stand in my opposition to tax increases. But I've gone a lot farther, actually. Uh, the centerpiece of my campaign, Rob, is actually to cut taxes. Now, yes, I, I, I said cut taxes. I know everyone else is talking about which taxes to raise to help balance the budget. But the fact is, 3,000 taxpayers a week, 3,000 people a week, pick up and leave the state of California for good. We are driving the tax base out of the state. If we had lower tax rates, total tax revenues would go up because we would attract taxpayers back to California. That's why I'm proposing a 10% cut across the board in personal income taxes, a 10% cut in corporate taxes, a 10% cut in sales taxes, and a 50% cut in capital gains taxes. And, and you watch. When you have these broad-based, bold tax cuts like this, it'll make California more competitive. People will come back here again to start and grow companies. That's how we solve our budget deficit. A lot of people don't know, Steve, that people are leaving the state of California. They go into cities like Oklahoma City where there's job growth and wage increases. Um, it's tough in California. And you said cutting corporate taxes 10%. I'd vote for you just on that alone. I think the, the state has a, a hindrance for me to start a business here. I've got businesses in other states. Well, you know, it's this basic concept that folks in Sacramento just seem to be oblivious to. And it's the concept that uh, people don't have to do business in California. People don't have to live here. I mean, we have a beautiful state. I mean, people would want to be here normally if we could just get out of the way. But right now in this global economy, it's just intense, the competition. People can't stay here to start and run companies if it puts them out of sync competitively. You now have the state of Nevada just bashing us every day. They're taking out these full-page ads and TV ads, you know, pointing out the fact that if you do business in California – you're kind of nuts that the ad claims. You know, come to Nevada where the corporate income tax rate is zero, where the personal income tax rate is also zero, where the workers' compensation insurance rates are 30% less, and the electricity in Nevada stays on and people are leaving. We, we have to make major adjustments or we're going to get steamrolled That's by deep. China and India and Texas and Nevada. This is just urgent. This is the centerpiece of my whole campaign is to get voters to support the idea that we need major tax cuts and an overhaul to our, our regulatory system so that we can grow our economy again. Then we'll have the money to balance the budget and to invest in higher education and in our water infrastructure. Let's get to a phone call for Steve. Nick in Mountain View. Nick, you're on. Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just interested in, uh, you know, the sales tax uh, cut because, uh, you know, we're still paying for the 89 earthquake, which is 12 years later, you know, we do these emergency sales tax hikes when we have a disaster, and then we just seem to be paying for them for 20, 30, 40 years on end. Is, uh, is there an answer to that? Well, well Nick, that's why uh, I think that it's important to be in opposition to any of these new taxes that are being proposed. Some of them they're, they're saying would be temporary, but they don't sem seem to ever go away, not many of them in any case. And sales taxes in particular uh, are very regressive, and that's why I wanted to make as a part of my plan not only to cut income taxes and corporate taxes, but I wanted to cut sales taxes too. Everybody in the state of California needs tax relief. If you put more money into the pockets of working folks, 
then they'll be able to make their ends meet easier. They'll have more money to spend and to invest themselves. And it's really important that every California business, be it large or small, and every California consumer get some tax relief. And that's why my tax plan is so comprehensive. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Steve, I have to say the question that I think everyone's thinking. We almost want to call BS. You're going to lower taxes. You got to cut spending or our deficit continues to balloon. We've got high unemployment and that's going to stick around for at least a few years. Um, how, how are you going to pull this off and, and try to be direct with your answer? Right. Well, I have gotten a lot of questions since I rolled out my tax cut plan, Rob. The, the question goes something like this. How on earth can you propose cutting taxes, you know, when we have a hard enough time balancing the budget as it is? Right. And so my answer is based on a lot of economic analysis that we've done. Uh, the answer is we can't afford not to cut taxes. See, the fact is the tax base is leaving the state. It's 3,000 people a week, each and every week, leaving. There goes taxpayers. We can actually have more tax revenue if we have more taxpayers back, even though the rates are lower. President Kennedy, we went back and looked at what President Kennedy did in the 1960s, significantly cut federal personal income tax rates, total federal tax revenue went up. Then we looked at what happened with President Reagan. Uh, President Reagan cut tax rates significantly, total federal tax revenues went up. Then we looked at what other states have done. Uh, There's um, many states uh, that we've analyzed here in the last 15 years. We came across at least a dozen examples of states implementing major tax cuts. And then we we sent in our policy team and we we analyzed exactly what happened. Did revenues go up or down? And when these tax cuts were bold and significant and not temporary, uh, practically every time that had a a stimulus impact uh, to the economy, the tax revenues went up, not down. So that's the key thing here in my whole campaign, that that people will vote for me if they, they want me to cut tax rates in order to make California's economy competitive, cutting tax rates will, will bring back more venture capital, more investors, more jobs. Tax revenues will go up. That's how we balance the budget. Now, at the same time, I believe we spend too much money. Uh, the California state spending has doubled over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, $85 billion still comes in to the state of California, a huge amount of money. Now, at the Department of Insurance, when I got there, you know, we're spending a couple hundred million dollars, and and I had 1,300 employees, I decided to do something pretty radical at the Department of Insurance. I decided to do a top-down review, every dollar spent, every person, every program. And lo and behold, I found dozens of programs that have been, been there for decades that really weren't imp- helping anybody. They, were just, they had just been in place there for years, and no one ever asked questions about, is it impacting helping anybody? We've gotten rid of dozens of programs in our top-down review, other programs we've beefed up, like my insurance fraud efforts. I have 300 police officers that work for me. We've arrested over 2,000 people in the last two years for insurance fraud. Now, that's important because insurance fraud drives up insurance rates. The net impact of my top-down review started with 1,300 employees. I now have uh, a little over 1,100 employees. been able to cut my expenses permanently by 15%. I now have a huge surplus at the Department of Insurance, which I'm passing back into the economy in the form of tax cuts on insurance agents and brokers who pay the, the bills at the Department of Insurance. It's that kind of top-down review that I want to do throughout the state of California. There's close to 400 different state departments and agencies, and I can guarantee you this, 
there's never been a top-down review and an overhaul of, of the state government, and there's billions of dollars to be saved by modernizing the state of California once and for all. See, so, yeah, I got one more question that came in. We're going to have to be brief on it. Let's see if I can pull it up ever so fast. And I, mm, just when I need the internet, it fails me. Let's see. This one says, we have too many legislators who want to look busy, so they make lots and lots of regulations and rules. You remember that sausage maker who was made so insane by inspectors, by all the government control, making it difficult to stay in business. I guess that's not really a question there, Steve. <laughs> it's, it's more of a kind of that's, a diatribe. That's, that's just kind of a fact, too. Uh, I support a part-time legislature. I do think the legislature spends too much time on, on, on bills that, that actually are harmful, that have no business being a top priority. For example, we have this massive state budget deficit, all kinds of problems. The water infrastructure uh, needs to be you know, fixed and the schools are deteriorating. But somehow the legislature had time in the last few months to debate whether there should be a blueberry commission in the state of California. They actually passed a bill to form a blueberry commission. The governor, hard to believe, signed the thing. I support a part-time legislature for two reasons. One, we don't want any more career politicians in the legislature from either party. We want people to come from the trenches, business people and cab drivers and teachers and police officers that have been successful in their careers, go to the legislature for in a part-time way, you know, use their wisdom to make some tough policy trade-offs, and only give them uh, a limited amount of time so they focus just on those issues and policies that are critical to the state of California. Steve, here's the last question. We have to be fast with the answer because we're on a break. Uh, Gerald asks, how do you fix poor-performing schools like East San Jose? Well, I'm a huge believer in local control. My first day in class, it rained. I had to position the trash can in my class to collect the rainwater. That's just nonsense and terrible. The teachers and the educators, the principals, they don't control the schools anymore. Uh, the budget or the curriculum, those are micromanaged, those decisions by, by the legislature through the state education code. We need to rip control of the public schools out of the hands of Sacramento politicians, push them down to the local level where they belong and where they used to be when we had the very best public education system in the country in the 1960s. Uh, that's why I support charter schools, by the way. Charter schools are public schools that are granted the freedom and flexibility to customize and tailor programs to meet the needs of local kids. Uh, I've been a proud pioneer of the California charter school movement for about 10 years now, and uh, we need to learn from the success of the charter school movement and give all schools in California the same type of freedom and flexibility that California public charter schools have. Thanks very much for being with me, and you're welcome back anytime you want some airtime. Steve, it's Steve Poisner. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. Good luck in your bid to be governor. Thanks. He's Talk to you soon. California Insurance Commissioner. He's running for the governor of the state of California. Find out more soon. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. In case you haven't figured it out, we're right in the middle of earnings season, but we're also right in the middle of politics. Take a break here. I'll be right back. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't be shy. I'm not shy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I'm actually pretty darn shy when you get me away from a radio microphone. I think that's typically how that does work in the world. My idea on this show, or my goal on the show, is to get you to retirement. Sometimes I blend in politics because 
they manage the world that we live in, businesses and personally. Bringing Steve Poisner in to me is a great honor. Um, I'll bring on his competitors, and it'll be a great honor. Let them tell you what they're going to try to do or not do. Let's try to hold them accountable. I don't like career politicians. That's why I don't call myself a Republican or a Democrat. And I think it's silly that we have two classes of people that we call ourselves. I don't think they represent me in any way, shape, or form. I don't think they represent 50% of my ideas, either one of them. I wish we had more ways to register what our ideas and what our value systems are. For instance, if there was a political class called capitalist, I'd be all about that dude. Whereas you may be gay and lesbian rights. You may be all about, you know, environmental rights. We all have different things that are important to us. And why we can't vote for that, I don't understand. An idea on what to invest in? Prisons. Now, this is actually kind of interesting. You've probably heard me say that some people's retirement plan, not a very good one, that they haven't saved enough money. I get emails every day from couples who are 50, 55 years old and saved nothing. They've had a wonderful sex life. They've had a wonderful life in California, but they never really decided to save. What should they do? And I say, well, one of your ideas could be to take a gun into a bank and wave it around and spend the rest of your life in jail. I want to be so bad. California prisons, you get cable television, you get three square meals. Okay, there'd be the sodomy issue with, for some men that probably wouldn't be too cool. But hey, it's a better plan than eating cat food. Anyway, Barron's did a report this weekend. And by the way, I like Barron's. Barron's is one of those magazines that's, uh, if you're a gun enthusiast, you read Gun and Ammo. If you're a money enthusiast, you read Barron's. Barron's reported on prison stocks, and they're selling at discounts. Cash-strapped states seek to cut costs of housing inmates. They're mulling drastic measures ranging from quicker parolees to earlier releases. Now, the shares of companies like Correction Corp of America, ticker symbol CXW, Geo Corp, it's ticker symbol GEO, and Cornell, ticker symbol CRN, they dwell too much on states' stopgap attempts to curb incarceration rates, and they overlook private prisons, which are steadily profitable. They hold on to a tough-to-penetrate industry, and they got a widening chasm between supply and demand. Investors have other perks. Private prisons earn recurring revenue, impervious to seasons or business cycles. I know you're saying, Rob, can I invest in prisons? You can invest in prisons. They build decade-long ties with fairly reliable customer i.e. the government, be it a state or federal. And if the customer is the feds, the companies are selling to a client that doesn't even have to balance the budget. They can print more money. Prison facilities tend to be durable, low-maintenance, and immune to changing architectural whims. Not like a business uh, building where you go, oof, what were they thinking with that one? Prisons are good investments. You can understand it. You can grasp it. You can put your hands around it. Now, the three companies that I just talked about, they're not appropriate for everyone. You need to consult a broker advisor for taking the action on any stocks mentioned on this air. But Correction Corp, ticker symbol CXW. Geocorp, ticker symbol GEO. Cornell, ticker symbol CRN. What I want you to do is look at them. Look at the debt of each one of them. Which one do you like the most? Look at the price to earnings of each of them. Look what, which one do you like the most? Look at the earnings increases on them. Which one do you like the most? Finding the right stock is easy to do. Comparing it to other stocks and finding a good valuation that you're comfortable is the difficult part. I can tell you that the trend in prisons is a good long-term investment. But I could also tell you the trend in craft food. Are we going to be eating mac and cheese for years and years to come? Absolutely. So 
It's up to you. Smoking. Smokers, do you think they're going to continue to smoke in the United States? Well, you go, maybe not. That's why you probably don't want to own Altria. We can only tax smokers in the United States so much before they finally give up. They'll be smoking. They'll be smoking. But how about Philip Morris International, where China and India and Russia are creating a middle class in Brazil? Brazil's economy is growing. Wait till you see the Olympics. They're growing into that nicely six years from now. With that said, as you grow a middle class, you grow smokers. You grow consumers, but one of the things they do is smoke. And their education on lung cancer, not as much as the United States. Will it get there? Absolutely. Speaking of which, John Scott, you can find him at talk910.com, talk910.com. He's my program director. He just wrote a, a blog on how he's quitting Marlboro forever. He's, he's dumping the Marlboro man, which has kind of got a gay innuendo that I kind of like. So, 800-345-5639. You think I'm going to get some heat for saying my boss just threw out a gay innuendo? You betcha. But I'm willing to say it. Um, and at that blog, you can hit his name and you can interact with him and say, I love Rob Black, I love Rob Black, I love Rob Black. You can do that 932 times and make me happy. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 if you want to get your calls in the air. If you want to blog... Go to talk910.com, talk910.com. I'll show you prison investments. You show me yours. Don't be shy. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.